network sucks. Confirm that your network sucks. Please get a new network. Welcome to SwitchCast Live, where we are brought to you not sponsored by Spectrum Internet, home of we promise you 200 megabytes a second and we give you 100 and we keep upping your rates every three months. Anyway, if you're having streaming issues watching us, it is not our sponsor BoxCast's fault. It's our non-sponsor Spectrum's fault. Welcome. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, Cannonball Run record holder. I was going to say host of SwitchCast, but you already knew that. Twice. Joining me tonight, <laughs> joining me tonight, host of SwitchCast twice, uh, more than twice. twice. Right, yes. Important to emphasize, thanks to COVID. Joining me tonight is Jonathan Dandro. He is the founder and co-founder and CEO of Redenzo Radar. And we're going to be talking, we're going to be nerding out on radar detectors tonight. <laughs> I have a wee bit of expertise in this because I've driven across the country a few times faster than anybody else without getting arrested. So I think I know a thing or two about effectiveness, effectiveness of radar detectors. John has been inside a lot of radar detectors and designed his own and sells them. So he also knows a whole lot about them. It is important to confirm that Redenzo Radar is not a sponsor. He is not paying to be on here. So I can say whatever I want, including that his radars suck. So if that's... I tried to bribe him. He wouldn't take it. Well, he did uh. bring some... He did bring bourbon. Okay. So we give him a little credit. But anyway, uh, this is an open forum. We are searching for the truth. We are here for answers. And we're going to talk about what... What radar detector is the best detector? Obviously, that's not a short answer. We're going to be discussing the ins and outs and the nuances of uh, getting not nicked for speeding, alleged speeding, of course, always. But we're going to have some fun tonight. And uh, yeah, so John, why don't you just start off and give us a little bit of background about yourself and how sure. you got to this point. So I went to school and tried to be a classical pianist. <laughs> failed, Welcome failed, to failed, cars. failed at that. Okay. And started the radar detector company. Classical and here we classical are. Classical pianist yeah. to radar detector company. Okay. Yep. That's a very short journey. All right. Um, what got you started in your love for cars? Oh man, that was. You know, I, I think there's certain things that, for whatever reason, from a young age, you just remember them and they stick with you and for me cars were one of those things um i've just always been fascinated by the the sound of an engine or mechanically how how they worked right and i remember playing with hot wheels cars when i was younger and i even remember like i have these weird memories of my dad who when i was very young did not have a nice car at all but like he had like some hyundai and it was, a, it was a stick shift Hyundai, and like he would rev the engine. You must be very young for your dad to have had a Hyundai. I feel like that company started in 2002. 30, 33. <laughs> so. Okay. But it's just funny. Like, I remember hearing the, the an engine sound revving, and like that stuck with me, and little things like sure. that. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've just always, always really loved cars. And I remember playing around with the BMW configurators, like when like the build your own configurator went live on online mm -hmm. for the first time. Like that was a big deal to me. 
Okay. And uh, and, and yeah. you're telling me at dinner you are a BMW guy. I used to be a BMW used to be. guy. Okay. I feel fine. like the, I right. feel like they've betrayed me. Honestly. Yeah. Well, they go through phases, right? So they were the ultimate driving machine in the 80s and 90s, and then Chris Bangle, right, and whoever was in charge mm-hmm. of the electronics at the time. Uh, ruined BMW, and then they kind of came back, and now they're all technology again. And I, I don't know how great they are now, but anyway, I, I follow you. That's that's a, another discussion for the, another time. But I, um, I've owned several of them. Yeah, that that yeah. was for me. I mean, I haven't I haven't owned a Porsche yet, but so I guess technically I'm a BMW guy. <laughs> what are you driving now? Uh, right now, I just have a little Golf R, a Mark 7.5. Yeah. Um, told myself I'd keep it stock. It is running full E85, you know, full bolt-on, not stock. And stick or DSG? DSG. Uh, boo, and I that, was going to give you nuts is, for sticks. I know, but, but I mean, that's that's the one thing that nope. Mindy, our chief sales officer, always makes fun of me about. So we have both had the same or similar car, not planned. Mm-hmm. We both had M2s, and then I got an R and she got a GTI. And hers were always stick, and mine were always DSG. And she just won't let she won't let me forget it. It's just it's <laughs> it's endless torture in the office. If I was quicker on my feet, I'd come up with an acronym for DSG that said something about how you aren't a car guy. I th- but I think it stands for faster all the time, right? DSG. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, okay. So you glossed over. I was a classically picked classically trained pianist and then i got into a radar detector business but the question i always get asked and i will pass along to you is how did you get into the business what was the the cliff notes of the journey from i tinkle on keys to i tinker with so electronics it's it's actually um it's actually kind of related because i met my co-founder nathan stokes who is i can't emphasize enough how important he is to our success um everything bad about me he kind of offsets and fixes (laughs) but um i met him at um the conservatory or music school that we went to so he was in the uh woodwind saxophone something like that program he's gonna kill me and i was in the piano program and he was a blowhard yes exactly still is yes starting the puns early tonight and we became friends, and I was tinkering around with um, this device that I had kind of got this idea for to, to jam speed cameras because I like driving fast, I hate cameras, and I have a couple of uh, family members in Washington, D.C. that were getting a crazy amount of these camera tickets in the mail. And they weren't even car enthusiasts. So like One of them was my cousin, Lauren, and we were at a family Christmas party, and she was telling me that she was spending like $1,000 a year on camera tickets what? and she she doesn't even try to speed it like she wasn't right somebody breaking the law. habitual 11 over a- exactly yeah and um i was kind of a electronics hobbyist and a camera enthusiast um and i was like you know why don't you just why don't you just shine a brighter light on it and just block it like you know overexpose the picture and for for camera guys they have these devices called slave flashes mm-hmm. which um, you can kind of synchronize multiple flashes off the light of the first flash. And I was like, this tech already exists. If somebody just put it in like a license plate frame, we could totally solve this whole problem. But the problem was I was in college. I was poor. I didn't have a camera that I could start testing on. So Nathan just so happened to have a camera because he was a car spotter. 
And that was kind of like our how we bonded at first was it was weird in music school to find somebody else who was like really into sports cars. Mm-hmm. And he actually, um, he had a decent following, like kind of before car spotting was a huge thing. And so he had a very nice camera that I would borrow and say, hey, come over. I built this prototype. I needed to use your camera flash to test. And uh, it, it, I ended up bringing it to the point where I crowdfunded it, raised a little bit of money using Nathan's camera, never paying him anything for it, <laughs> and uh, wound up actually bringing that to market. wasn't a great product because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was a college kid building something for the first time, but um, we ended up making that relatively successful commercially, um, licensed that off to another company. And by that, by that point, a few years later, I'm in the car industry, mm-hmm. right? And then it was a natural extension for me to go into something that I knew better even. And that was radar detectors. I had used them my whole life since I think two days after I got my license, I got my first speeding ticket and I went home and bought a radar detector that day. And what was, what was the first radar detector you bought? It was a Valentine one. I, Why I, do you I say that with such yeah. shame? Come on. <laughs> no, I, I have to give him credit. I mean, that man probably did more for the radar detector industry than perhaps anybody else that, that is still in it. Um, and you know what? It, it was a great product. And I used it for years. And You said was, like it was past tense. It still is a great product <laughs> for a specific user, just not for everybody. Gotcha. Um, no, but seriously, I, I used Valentine product for a long time. I have a lot of respect for what he did from a business standpoint and for the industry. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how I cut my teeth, learning to... Uh, Learning what makes it a, a product, a radar detector, good and bad, is just because I use them every day for so long. Um, it just was a natural extension for me to go into this industry. Okay. Okay. So how did you get your start? You said Nathan, whose camera you borrowed, uh, so he had all of the exposure and none of the reward. Get it? <laughs> Ready? Yep. He would probably still agree with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What uh, take me through where you went from? Okay, I I licensed this technology for blocking speed cameras to I'm into radar detectors. I want to make a better radar detector. How did Nathan get involved, and how did you make your first radar detector? So Nathan was working with me with a no photo on a part time basis, and what I mean by part time was he worked a lot of hours and never got paid. <laughs> um, which, to be honest, like neither one of us was really getting paid. Um, and uh, he ended up kind of being forced to come work for me full time. Some stuff happened in his other job and he just got tired of it. And I said, well, I'm hiring. No, no salary, but I'm hiring. And, uh, I heard that before. I think he kind of had nothing, nothing better to do at the time. Sure. And uh, he ended up getting with me. And at that point we said, okay, we should probably like make this like actual organized business. Um, so... Fast uh, for- side note, I feel like that's the same strategy men use, we use to, to get girls in college, too. <laughs> I have nothing to offer you. But, but it's going to be great. <laughs> but it's going to be great. One day, maybe. <laughs> There's a future here. Yeah. yeah. And, and then when it gets serious, uh-oh, we need to actually make this official. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad analogy. Yeah. All right. So, so you <clears throat> sucker Nathan to come on board for no pay. Mm-hmm. We do this great crowdfunding thing. We start getting some sales. And uh, it was very obvious that 
there were some product problems that we just couldn't afford to fix, which is why I was looking for somebody with more experience making things that I could license it to, mm-hmm. maybe somebody with their own factory. So we did that, but um, we're still running that business. We're still selling these things on our website. And I had at that point moved to a little town, uh, Independence, Kentucky. And this is this is bizarre. Um, I feel like most businesses, and I'm sure you you can think of moments that line up just right where you're like, I don't know how that happened. If you want to call it fate or luck or divine provenance or whatever, if it didn't happen, your business wouldn't exist. And for me, it was getting this order from somebody buying an expensive, a $400 device that I was selling to block cameras in Independence, Kentucky, which is where I lived. And we had no cameras. And I was like... (laughs) Okay. Who is spending $400 to buy this device when there's no cameras in my little town of like, I don't know what, 30,000 people. So it might've actually been Nathan who noticed that it was somebody from Independence. So I reached out to the guy instead of shipping it. And I said, Hey, can I deliver this to you in person? I would love to meet a customer. Can I buy you lunch? Let's go have a beer together. And um, I met a gentleman called Michael Berg who is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. And he just so happened to be starting a radar detector company. And And he was buying your product to reverse engineer. Just not to reverse engineer, but just because it was in the industry. You know, everybody in the industry always buys each other's products. Sure. And I, I went out to lunch with him and I realized from like within five minutes of talking to him that we had similar values in terms of wanting to make a good product. Uh, he had a reputation already for great customer service. Like his, the, the products back then were, were almost not even Redenzo products, but he stood behind them. And that is so important in, in this industry in every mm-hmm. industry, I guess. And I knew immediately that I wanted to find a way to, to, to work with him and, and get into that industry. And long story short, I ended up working at a deal where we purchased the majority of what he had started uh, retained him as a partner. So he still to this day has equity in Redenzo. Mm-hmm. And he recognized that I had access to capital and distribution and everything I had built with no photo that could really scale Redenzo. Whereas he was operating it, he had a full time job already. This was, mm-hmm. he was doing nights and weekends. So it was this perfect fit where the Legos worked out. And uh, ever since that day, um, it, it hasn't been easy. There's always ups and downs, but we've never had a down year since that day. Every year we've grown. So That's awesome. And not as not as fast. I thought it was going to be super easy right away, right? We're all no, retired. never no. is. Never is. But every year we look back and we're like, okay, that was, that was better than last year. And that's the goal, right? Sure. Just keep getting better. Sure. Okay. So speaking of growing every year, obviously, I, I mean... So you are 33, you graduated college like 2008-ish? Something like that. So you started it, Redenzo. Maybe, maybe. What, when did you start Redenzo? So I started No Limits Enterprises, which is like the formal name of that first company, mm-hmm. in 14, I okay. think. But I had, that's when we incorporated. Okay. So we had been, I'd been working on it for two years before we like officially okay. made it So you thing. didn't have to go through 2009 and 10, which completely screwed everybody so i I guess i'll ask you so 2020 21 is your first uh major economic 
uh, I don't yeah. want to say disaster, but your major economic shift during your business ownership and you've grown every year. How has the last couple of years impacted your business? It has been the best thing and the most difficult thing that we've ever gone through. Okay. So one thing I will say about our business is that um, I feel like we're well prepared and also used to dealing with difficult situations like this. Um, just just like one funny anecdote to that. So when I bought Redenzo and incorporated it into the No Limits umbrella, the sales were very low, but it was consistent. Mm-hmm. And one week after we closed, the, R, the unit in R3 was launched. And that R3 revolutionized the single horn detector from a price performance standpoint. So literally, like, it's been like this forever for me. I mean, <laughs> I, I bought a business and then a revolutionary product was released and all of our sales went to zero, right? I mean, this is nothing new to navigate this type of thing. Um, what I will say is I'll give tremendous credit to my employees, my team members, um, they have placed a tremendous amount of faith in what we're trying to achieve and the amount of work that they've put in to offset the challenges from the pandemic are crazy. I mean, even our dealers, I give so much credit to our dealers. They just shut down. Like I feel so bad for our independent dealers that had a stable business. And then one day you're closed. What do you do? Yeah. Right. So like, we just tried to find little ways that we could reach out and to support them. Um, I know Mindy would send cards that we would sign. She'd create little pandemic survival packets and some, I mean, it's, you do what you can. Um, From an engineering and business standpoint, um, it forced us to really hone down and refine what our core values are Mm -hmm. and made us better about putting resources where it makes sense to grow the business. the part shortage has been crazy. I'm sure everybody knows that we haven't been able to obtain parts to manufacture Thea and even our current detectors. We don't have nearly as much inventory as we wish we had, but that's forced us to uh, pay more attention to other other avenues of business that people have approached us to, whether it's telecom stuff or some defense work. These are things that always people always reached out to us for, mm-hmm. but we were always like, hey, we're busy selling radar detectors. But when you don't have a detector to sell because you can't get inventory, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more interesting to take advantage of those other opportunities. Sure. So I, I kind of feel like we've grown up as a company. It's, sure. it's been difficult emotionally, I think, for all the team members that thought we would be just selling crazy amounts of these radar detectors and everything's great. Well, life doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah. But Mike Valentine has a paint to sample Carrera GT. You should yeah. be rich too. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, speaking of struggles, my producers inform me, as I joked about earlier on, that our uh, stream is really struggling again because of thanks to Spectrum Internet. Um, <clears throat> haven't had this problem yet, but uh, this is this is growing pains. Uh, so if you're not getting a great experience on the stream, I'll remind you that you can download the audio version of the podcast on Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'd encourage you to do that. You can listen in your car or anywhere that uh, you listen to podcasts while you're working out or, um, you know, setting a cannonball record or something like that. So, um, so if you're struggling, we, we apologize that uh, you're not getting a great experience, but unfortunately uh, there's nothing we can do. I'm sure all of you have had your struggles with internet provider companies. They are, not the uh, um, <clears throat> models of customer service. Um, this will be a good time to remind you that despite the lack of quality in the stream, it is not BoxCast's fault. 
Switchcast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. Uh, Thank you for joining us again. I've got... John Dandro from Redenzo Radar here is my co-host. We're talking radar detectors. If you'd like to call in and chat with us live, the number is 216-294-4124. And if you call in, of course, you'll jump the line for the uh, the internet questions. Again, if you want to just post wherever you're watching live, uh, Facebook or YouTube, if you want to poach, man, poach your questions. Yes, we will poach your questions and then answer them. Uh, post your questions and we'll do our best to answer them about radar detectors or alleged speeding or whatever you feel is appropriate. So John, thank you again for being on with us. Um, so you mentioned Thea, you mentioned that the, the chip shortage is greatly affecting your, your primary business of radar detectors. And I can, you can imagine that we got a ton of questions about Thea. When is Thea coming out? When is Thea coming out? When are you actually going to release it? And I know the chip shortages have affected that, but talk to us a little more about what Thea is and what difficulties you're experiencing in getting that product to market and maybe even when we can expect it. Sure. Except for the last part. Right. Okay. First two. First two are good. So, The number one problem that I had as a consumer, a user of radar detectors, um, is, is false alerts. There's just, there's too many of them. And if you're speeding every second counts and that, you know, if you're going for a a cannonball run, you don't want to be slowing down all the time. Sure. Right. And likewise, if it's a boy, a cried wolf phenomenon too, like there's nothing good about the lack of specificity with alerts. Yep. So what we call that is radar detectors, they can detect radar, but they don't have radar discrimination. They don't have signal discrimination. They can't tell you that's a Mazda, that's a police gun, that's a whatever Well, the V1, the is. app that goes with the V1 does. No, actually, it doesn't. Well, that's what everybody tells me. So that app, the JBV1, which Thank is a third-party app, yes. it's a great app, and it can add tons of functionality to it, but it does not do signal discrimination. There's no radar detector in the world right now that can accurately do signal discrimination. Why? The only type of signal discrimination that some of them can do from a rudimentary level is some of ours, some of Unidens, and some of Escorts can tell a couple of types of speed camera systems. Okay. So they might be able to tell you that's a red flex or that's an MRCD, which are two different types. But what's even more annoying with those is the false alerts are off the charts. And again, I'm, our radar detector's false alert, Uniden's false alert, Escort's false alert. This is a common problem with every current radar platform in existence. And the reason why they can't do that, to be honest with you, it's just because radar detectors don't matter from a business standpoint to the level where it makes sense anymore for big companies to dump the kind of money into R&D that it takes to do that. Because it's a niche market. 
Yeah. So when radar detectors, when most of them were designed, um, or the idea of them, I guess, became popular, there wasn't much radar pollution with what we call modulated signals. And I'm not going to go down the tech rabbit hole, but just just, more complicated signals. Ten years ago, there wasn't really a false alert. Like you drive by a supermarket. That was a big joke. Oh, you drive by a supermarket and you get a false signal. There was just one or two types of false alerts. Exactly. Yeah, but you didn't get them from From every every other car on the road. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So because because police guns use they all use the same style wave. I I'm being super simplistic from a tech okay. standpoint. Well, but no, I, I get that. So the, I've noticed that look Pennsylvania, for example, Pennsylvania is notorious because to so I've almost never gotten a KA band faults. Right. Most police departments now with advanced radar guns use KA band, mm-hmm. so you can all but shut off K-band in most of the country and eliminate false alerts and for the most part have a reliable radar detector. Not You'll miss in some. A, I'm just, in about okay, 50%, let, say, 50% of states you can do that maybe, but K-band is still very widely used. Okay, yes, but it's, it's moving towards KA. So even a few years ago, Ohio State Patrol moved from K to KA. Um, Pennsylvania is the, mm-hmm. the big, the, the rub there. But I've noticed that like let's use Pennsylvania for an example, the I've gotten false alerts and legitimate radar hits from police at the same frequency or overlapping frequency. So even locking out a specific frequency doesn't work because the cops and the Hondas are using the same frequency of K-band. That's mostly correct, and that's kind of a problem, and it goes back to what I was saying, where every detector right now from all brands is trying to solve a problem with Band-Aids instead of solving the problem. They're saying... Band-Aids. Ha! <laughs> with K-A Band-Aid. K-A yeah. Band-Aid. Yes! Yes! <laughs> and it's I'm just, sorry, did I derail you? <laughs> no, it's just it's just crazy to me, though. Like, like did you know that... Um, to, to give you an example, you know Elon Musk, uh, his Starlink, right? The satellite service that gives okay. internet to people? That actually transmits using KA band. Hmm. But the reason, the, the KA band signal that Starlink uses looks nothing like a police gun because Starlink needs to carry data. and needs to, You need to be able to receive data in there. So you can't just send a constant blamp signal it's turned on and off quickly at different lengths it it does all kinds of these weird tricks that encodes data in the signal that's also what your your safety systems from your mazdas and cadillacs do police radar is so simple that it actually can't tell distance most people don't know that it just tells you how fast it's going but it doesn't it doesn't tell you distance because in order to do that it would have to be a more complicated waveform the sensors in your cars can tell distance. That's how they know if you're about to hit something, if, if you're going to back into it. Well, because the police radars measure differential in just, distance, just, right? Just speed, yeah. Just simp- simple Doppler radar. Okay. Laser, trying to remember the difference. I Laser measure, laser, I cannot talk tonight. Laser measures speed. No, laser measures distance. Speed, speed and distance, yep. Okay. But there was a way that they measure it that was dis- different, and one of them measured distance, and the other measured speed. And I thought that radar measured distance. The way that police radar radar can measure distance, but police radars, the ones on the market right now, 
do not measure distance. They calculate speed using Doppler shift. Okay. Okay. Man, we're getting into the geek stuff here. But this Okay, so so all that to say, how does the Thea solve those problems? So if you think about a um, maybe a, a radar s- system that's installed on one of our fighter jets. Do you think that false alerts to your local supermarket when you fly over it? No. No, that would be ludicrous, right? So If it did, so, they'd bomb them all. <laughs> you never know nowadays. But, but it's <laughs> like, if, if you start thinking about that, if the tech, the technology to tell one type of radar signal from another has been around for years and years and years, it all goes back to nobody has found it economically justifiable to put that into a radar detector. And to be honest with you, 15, 20 years ago, I'm not sure if it would be even for us. The technology has now come down to a point where it's still expensive, but a relatively well-funded, relatively small company can make a device that is basically a, uh, an electronic intelligence receiver or um, basically a pared-down version of, of what they have in these planes. And you can actually identify certain certain um radar signatures by their characteristics if you if you look at a porsche right Mm -hmm. from a distance you can tell a 911 is a 911 just just by the silhouette of it right yep now if you're really far away you might not be able to tell if it's a 991 or two if you're really far away that's if you have you know low signal to noise ratio unless i have stabilized binoculars (laughs) Well, those would increase your SNR. So now let's say that you take you take your binoculars, which are like an amplifier for radar. We have little yep. amplifiers, all of us do, inside these radar detectors. Now you can see it better, and you can pick out the little details on it that let you say it's a 9912. 4S. Exactly. Because it has, it has a reflector. The wide, and the wider hips on right. the 4S, right? So those types of differences exist with radar signals, too. The problem is that current radar detectors are looking at everything in really low fidelity and they don't have enough processing power to be able to pick out those small differences. So to them, a police radar gun signal, which is just one continuous, it's like just holding down the trigger on something, just like emitting some signal, turning the volume to full. They can't tell the difference between that and something that's going on and off quickly or maybe on and off with slight changes left to right quickly. It just all looks the same to them. But that's not how military radar receivers work. They know what the radar signals from the different planes look like, and they can match up characteristics with those planes and tell you, Mm -hmm. that is an F-16, that's a MiG. And there's no reason you can't do that with radar detectors too, except everything's been good enough and selling pretty well everyone you have an escort you've got an escort you've got a unit you've got a unit in why would we spend the money to do that when everyone's buying our products and there's no competition the only thing people care about is range and arrows exactly yeah and if everything is roughly the same which it has been for years then why innovate right this is not a billion dollar market even globally it's not even a billion dollars and for venture capitalists you need a return on your investment right and unfortunately Unfortunately for radar detectors, it's this weird device where the electronics part of it, like the computer part of it, there's a lot of companies that can do that. Mm -hmm. But to design an antenna to pick up KA band and K band and to design the the radio electronics to detect that in a high fidelity way, 
that's black. That's almost black magic. That's something that you actually, your average electronics engineer can't do. It's this whole discipline of engineering that tends to really only be utilized by defense and then companies like Apple or Google or SpaceX. It's high frequency engineering is this just this weird thing that's not done in consumer devices. So it's this combination of a small market size with a really specialized, difficult engineering discipline to help people drive faster without getting caught. <laughs> like people right. just don't invest in it. Right. It's in just, in it's an just era crazy. where people are ceasing to drive and yeah, you're you're gonna endanger uh, lives and you're a criminal. Right, right, yeah. right. They'd rather Facebook while they're driving and exactly. they're buying Much EVs safer. that are self driving and yeah. Okay, so along those lines I don't mean to be like de de uh, depressive about the future, but so Canada radar detectors are illegal. Virginia and radar half, detectors half, half of the country, yes. are illegal. Um, people are moving to self-driving autonomous vehicles slowly, but whatever. They're they're moving that direction. Um, combination of you're in a very niche small market. And government legislation is becoming more and more overreaching all the time. Do you see anything on the horizon or is there something in terms of government legislation or major shift in how people perceive vehicles that would essentially force you to take a different direction to say, well, radar detectors are done. We have to we have to reinvent the company. Absolutely, but we we kind of planned for that from the beginning. So okay. I think it's more the second part. I'm not really. I don't think government regulation is going to play a part in it. I just think that I I know that less and less people seem to be driving enthusiasts every year, mm -hmm. and the technology to regulate speed. Unfortunately, in my opinion, I very much value f freedom and the ability to make the choice for myself. But it's getting easier to regulate mm -hmm. um, the technology yep. to to regulate speed on cars or even just if you wanted to automate speeding tickets that's way less expensive than designing a radar detector it's just simple so i have a pessimistic view from a 20-year time time frame about the viability of radar detectors but if we if, if our radar detectors that we were designing in-house and I'm, I'm not talking about our existing products um because i put so much resources toward our upcoming products if those were just radar detectors like everything else, I'd be very concerned, but they're not. What's interesting about our platform is you can almost think of it like two boxes. It's this box where the identification of a signal happens, and then there's like, we'll call it the antenna box to keep things simple. And most detectors, current detectors, including ours, are built, so the whole thing is kind of one box designed to do one job specifically. But that limits their usefulness to only doing that one job. Mm -hmm. And it also limits their upgradability if some new frequency of police radar came out or if some new complicated, like, what if, you know, what if the police came out with a radar gun that was modulated? No detector in the world could detect that right now. Mm -hmm. And that's, well, that's what, um, that's what the new laser guns are, right? And you, very, pretty much. That, the, um, oh shoot, my the terms are failing me. Yeah. Dragonite, yes, but there, there's a term for it. So it's a, a, a variable, variable pulse, pulse rate. rate. Thank you. Um, you are absolutely going in the right direction with that. Right. And that's why Escort had such a struggle with their laser diffusers because they were designed to block uh, fixed pulse rate mm -hmm. laser guns. And then the Dragonite led the charge, but other guns came out with a variable pulse rate such that 
the the diffusers couldn't even pick up the signal. Now, what's crazy about that is they had a tough time with that, even though they know exactly what frequency the laser is going to be at. Unlike radar, which could be anywhere from 10 gigahertz for X-band to 24 for K to 33 to 36. That's a huge amount of space. And the signal that you're looking for could be hidden anywhere in there. Right. Laser, it's always at the same frequency. The only thing that changes is how fast it pulses, which is a type of modulation. If I decided to make a police radar gun, I, I could my guys could make a, a police radar gun in three weeks that no existing radar detector could detect, and it would cost like 150 bucks. Why don't you? Because I like driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but we do joke about it. Yeah, but it. you also like money and government contracts. My richest clients are government I, contractors. Well, Come so, on, so, like, but but you got to understand. The way that we build... Our, I like our, driving too, and I would like driving a McLaren F1, and that government contracts are McLaren F1 but you But you know where you make way more money than selling a radar gun and screwing over drivers? You make more money selling devices that can discriminate cost-effective devices for the government, which are not cost-effective that we would think of, but like they have a lot more money than your average consumer. Yep. Uh, that can pick up signals really, really well in a variety of frequency bands that are deployable and can be run off a USB port. Um, that's a much bigger opportunity. Gotcha. So we've built our... We, well, I don't even... For us, we'll call it a radar detector. It is a police radar detector, but we've built a distributed sensing platform that can be applied to tell you if a signal is present in a space with just a different antenna plugged in. You want to know if it's a Wi-Fi signal, a drone signal, a... a a lot of other signals I can't talk about, we can do that. And we built that from the ground up to do that because it, this is not a 20-year radar detector thing. How similar is that in the UK and or Europe, they have a device that can detect. So police scanners can only detect unencrypted mm -hmm. or sorry, I'm sorry, can only monitor unencrypted channels. There's a device in Europe that can detect encrypted transmission yep. so it's basically like an a, a, an encrypted transmission detector a, so it alerts you if like oh okay emergency personnel the, the, is the blue eye i think something to target like blue eye or something right yeah. how similar is that to so what you're talking about that again is something that's built for one specific frequency range one specific platform so you can almost think of that as a radar detector just instead of radar it detects that frequency okay but those devices aren't built to be able to switch from looking at like a, a narrow signal to a wide signal okay. or a whole bunch of other technical stuff so okay. that's a cool device and i've heard pretty good things i haven't used one personally so i'm not an expert i've heard decent I, things about it i don't think it. you can get them here yeah. and they are prohibitively expensive yeah so but, yeah okay yeah. Interesting. Um, I want to ask you about uh, this thing. I don't know if you can see it on the stream, thanks to Spectrum, but do you know what this is? Let's see. Got a couple of, couple of microcontrollers on there, some big inductors. For those of you listening on audio, I took this secretive-looking uh, motherboard thing off the wall, off of my cannon wall, to see if he knows what it is. I don't know, but I'm going to say that whatever is in the middle would generate a decent amount of heat based so, on how the board's built. So, so it some is some kind a, of LED emitter maybe? It or? is a prototype for a radar jammer, 
which is thanks to the FCC, it's highly illegal, of course, to actually use. But you're talking about military technology in terms of radar detection in planes. What is your take on the feasibility? Obviously, you can't make this as a marketable product because it's incredibly illegal to use. But is it possible? Every cannonball or every uh, speeding scofflaw wants to know, could you actually jam or block radar? Absolutely. Could, okay, but could you make it like, could you make a product that could work in a car? Absolutely. Can you make me one? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> you wouldn't. I would for using it. I am not going to talk about this on the air. <laughs> okay. Later. The, the, F, the FCC takes this very seriously. <laughs> the FCC doesn't no, monitor but, but, podcasts. But radar, Come on. <laughs> radar jamming is absolutely a thing. Well, why um, is it? Okay. So why has it been so hard? There's been a number of cannonballers who have hired tinfoil hat people to make radar jammers and have been unsuccessful. And, and that's the, something that we think is like the ace in the hole for a good cannonball run the reason it's so hard to make a radar jammer is the same reason it is so hard to make a good radar detector and that comes back to what i said about there's the, only four buyers in the country well, for no radar but from from a difficulty <laughs> standpoint i can't emphasize how much it is i mean it's not black magic it's engineering there are guys that can do this but what the higher up a frequency you go and mm -hmm. radar is just crazy high frequency compared to anything else we do. When you listen to the radio station, it's like, what, 93 point whatever for FM, right? Sure. That's that's low. Your Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, it's like 2.4 to 5 gigahertz. KA band is 35 gigahertz. Electricity and signals behave differently at that frequency level. You can have gaps on a circuit board that are with two wires on a circuit board that aren't touching electricity can just flow between them like it's shorted and hmm. you can't even see it. The laws of physics are very different at high frequency than they are at low frequency. And if you are not somebody that has dealt with the engineering simulation and construction of a circuit board, like I, I can tell you right now, just by looking at the circuit board that based on the substrate it's on, it's never going to have good electrical performance at anything above six or seven gigahertz you would need to be using like a Roger substrate and gold Enig is not as good as silver immersion process. Like there's so many little weird things that it's mind blowing. I, I don't, no I don't, idea what I don't, saying right I don't now. understand it all. I have engineers that do understand it all. And when they tell me how this, these <laughs> things work, it's amazing to me that anybody even figured it out guys. Like, okay. So the question, my question is in Bitcoin, <laughs> Right, because the government doesn't regulate Bitcoin. How much would this black magic cost? How many Bitcoin would would this black magic that you speak of cost? Bitcoin now or Bitcoin when it was sixty five grand? I don't know where is Bitcoin now. <laughs> like thirty five. I have no idea. Anyway, okay, moving on. <laughs> Topic for another another. Time. Now, if if you if I feel more comfortable with Monero, but. <laughs> I threw that in for the crypto fans out there. Uh, okay. It's commercial break here. Oh, uh, man. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. 
Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. So we're going to go to some questions from the stream now. We hear you guys and we're going to answer your questions. Uh, Okay, from Asshole, what's your thoughts on the recent Uniden R8 release, not the Audi R8, but the Uniden R8. I think it's probably going to be a great detector. I mean, it's it's an R7 with LNAs. And what are LNAs? Amplifiers that give you a little bit more range. Gotcha. So everybody's all about the range, right? So I'm more concerned about the quality of the alerts and the lack of falses than I am range. What is your like? It, Obviously, you probably haven't used or tested the R8. I have an R7 in my car, but do you think that they can increase the range while maintaining consistency in filtering out false alerts? No, and nobody the, nobody can right now. It's all trade-offs. Okay, so now, do you think the R8 is going to be a trade-off then for range versus reliability? I think it's going it, to... If you like the R7, you're going to like the R8. I don't think it's a reliability thing. I just think that it's it's the same. It's basically the same detector with a little bit longer range. Okay. So it's it's not going to offer a better filtering, but it's a good detector. I mean, relative to a lot of other stuff out there, it's going to have good range and a decent amount of features. Okay. Uh, has Thea been tested outside of North America for different types of police radar signals? For example, red flags. It has been tested in two other countries. Gotcha. Not Canada. Henry Collins asked, what is the highest alleged speed? The highest alleged speed? I, I don't know. Where? When? <laughs> that I've done? I guess. I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, 195 for me. Not on radar. <laughs> I don't, I don't I don't think I've gone that fast. I think it for me it was probably like probably like one low low one eighties, I think. Gotcha. In, in in uh Mexico Mexico where City. where there are a lot of casinos and a desert. Right, right. Yeah, I've been out there too. That's where I bit did yeah. one ninety five as well. Jeremiah Johnson asked, for John, how do you feel about the end of Dependent device testers like Vortex Radar, and do your detectors perform as well as you would like during their tests? I think that the independent testers generally do a pretty remarkable job. The amount of effort that they put in, like there are guys. I don't. I don't know if you've seen, but like there are a couple of guys that I can think of that spend two or three days in a row testing the smallest aspects of detectors. I mean, they're spending $100 in gas just going back and forth. And I can say that for us, I know they have found bugs that I did not. I'm incredibly grateful for that. Um, I, I think generally you can trust 
99% of the independent testers. There's always going to be one or two guys that maybe have an agenda, but I am for independent testing because if there is enough of that out there, then the truth will generally rise to the top. And my whole business model, my five-year plan is based on making overwhelmingly the best products. So it's in my interest to have testers do a ton of testing if my goal is to make the best product. Because eventually, it, it's harder for the narrative to get twisted if there's a lot of people who are saying, yeah, I tested it and it's good versus one or two authority figures who you never know, right? So sure. I'm, I'm all for independent testing. It sounds like a Redenzo commercial now. Next question. Well, no, they, <laughs> they don't always say that our products are the best now, and that's fine. I'm, but, get, I'm you know. giving you crap. Gonzo Prius, will Redenzo ever have their own app with features similar to JBV1 or Highway Radar? We are never we are never going to have all of the features that JBV1 does because some of those features um if that was a company implementing those features would probably be sued by escort. You mean so, if Valentine 1 owned JBV1 they would be sued or if Redenzo did. <laughs> there are things that you can get away with as a small app developer that you can't get away with as a large company when gotcha. when there's existing patents out there. So I again want to say that I think JBV1 is an awesome app and I wish that us and Uniden could officially have those features in an app. We are not going to do that for the same reason that Mike Valentine doesn't have GPS because he would get sued. Gotcha. Let's talk about GPS. I'm a big fan of GPS filtering. All of the detectors on this table have GPS filtering. I personally own a Escort Max 360 and a Uniden R7. So again, disclaimer, I'm not being paid or compensated in any way to have John on here. And I don't even own a Redenzo, uh, but it's fun to talk shop here. Um, I wholeheartedly support uh, and believe in GPS filtering. And I think that's the biggest drawback of the Valentine one. And I debate that hotly with any V1 supporter or aficionado or whatever. Uh, John, what is your take on that feature? So right now, I, I think it's a little bit of a complicated issue. I know that I right now with current detectors won't run a detector without a GPS in it because it's the best band-aid for current detectors to eliminate false alerts. I do want to reiterate that it is a band-aid. If a detector knew what was a false alert and what was a real signal, we wouldn't need GPS filtering. Right. But, you know, run what you brung, right? Detectors right, right now can't figure it out. So I understand why some enthusiasts don't like it. But for your average person, the choice is going to come down to, do I not have a radar detector? because it drives me nuts all the time? Or do I have one that protects me in 99.5% of situations? Right. And for, th for the vast majority of people, that they're just not gonna run a radar detector if it false alerts all the time. So with our products, we try to have that option where you know auto mode is generally set a little bit more user-friendly for your average person, but we still allow the enthusiast to go in and turn off some of those safeguards, right? So if you want to have more false alerts, more range, and you know less GPS lockouts, you can do that. But for the average person, they're just not going to run a radar detector without GPS. I mean, I have we have sold radar detectors in the past, and actually we sold the same radar detector with and without GPS, the Redenzo SP and the Redenzo XP. 
everybody wants GPS. Right. And the market the market dictates, you know, dictates your features. Okay, so if everybody wants GPS, why do people still stand behind V1 so adamantly? Well, I think that name has a has a track record of producing a pretty good product for a couple of decades, and I think that's sure. really strong. And I I do want to point out that you know the way that GPS is implemented in some detectors, some brands worse than others. Um, there are proper ways to do it, and there's not proper ways to do it. And if it's done really poorly, which we had a we had a bug in an old product of ours that somebody on an independent tester found that wasn't great. It's you know so in our new products we make sure that we do it a little bit better. If you just block out a huge portion of the band, it's a risk. But like in in our current product, the DS1, we're actually putting in a feature that lets the user select how much they want locked out, and that's an industry first. So that's an that's an example of what is a safe GPS lockout that the user can customize. But do most users know enough to no. even no. like? No. I, I consider myself a radar expert, but. I like I get into the advanced settings on yep. my um, <clears throat> Most my people escort, will but never like touch it. I'm not I'm not actually going to go in to the software like the desktop software the escort gives you and like modify the bands and stuff that I'm detecting and not detecting. I'm like eh, I'm not I'm not that good. Like and that the, is the software knows what it's doing for the most part, or it should. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a mark that would be the mark of a good detector is that you don't have to be a forum junkie to be able to use a detector. It should, you should be able to just mount it and forget about it. And apart from learning how it works and, and understanding it, you shouldn't have to have an app or I whatever to go along with it. Completely <clears throat> agree with you. I think the issue is for most detectors on the market right now, you have to tweak them in order to get acceptable performance. We've tried to, make that better with our implementation of auto and auto city mode for most users while still letting enthusiasts adjust the features if they want to get crazy. But uh, a lot of detectors are just set up poorly right out of the factory. And that's been a big problem. It makes detectors look bad as an industry. Gotcha. Well, that, uh, that discussion on editing, uh, your own settings brings us right into nicely the nuts for sticks question of the week. Nuts for sticks is a, sweet merchandise company you can get fun t-shirts and stickers on there if you like the stick shift lifestyle unlike this guy over here you can go on nutsforsticks.com and order stickers t-shirts etc you can use use code switchcast to get 10 percent off of your merch order so our nuts for sticks question of the week is for from fox similar it is question of the week because I don't understand it. So that <laughs> must mean he's smarter than I am. So he wins. Uh, Fox and Larry, you can get, uh, you're going to win a shirt from the uh, from the Nuts for Sticks store. And you're also going to win a Redenzo hat brought to us uh, by John. Thank you very much. So his question, with neural networks being used on this system for filtering, Will they be releasing the training data to allow us to edit and train our own filters? I don't even know what neural networks are. You so pronounced go it for right, it, John. Well, I, I know how to read. <laughs> it's neurology. It's something to do with the brain. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> with with our platform being an open platform, um, we I have no problem if people want to run their own 
neural networks that they designed on our hardware. For the one that, that we developed, that would be the official one, we're not going to make that public because if incorrect data is trained into it, it could pollute the integrity of the data set. But if somebody wants to load their own or, or a community wants to source their own, go ahead. We're not going to block you from doing that. But the one that we're going to develop for the official one, that'll, that'll just be ours. We'll put the network on there, but I'm not going to release the training data. Gotcha. Okay. Good answer. Again, Fox Simler, reach out to us. You've got a free t-shirt from Nuts for Sticks and a hat from Redenzo. All right. We're going to get into some of the listener questions here. Uh, I realize we're getting into some serious uh, nerd stuff here with radar detectors, but we're going to get back into the user questions to answer some of uh, the more day-to-day questions here. Uh, I know my parents listen to the podcast every week. I'm pretty sure we lost them about 45 minutes ago with uh, talk about frequencies and stuff, and that's okay. This is a... (laughs) This is uh, for a specific audience tonight that are that are into speeding and into radar detector technology. But we're gonna we're gonna come back a little bit from the from the high level tech and uh, talk about the stuff that I personally understand, which is uh, the real world uh, aspect of using and living with radar detectors. So we're gonna get into some uh, some listener questions now. So. Um, uh, first off, Adam Bruton, you have a fan. He says, I don't have a question, but I do have a Redenzo XP, and I love it. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yes. More fan mail. Timothy, that sticker guy, says, tell him Tim and Chalet from Raleigh, North America <laughs> said hi, and when do we get our Thea? <laughs> Raleigh, North America, by the way, great organization. Really, really good people run it. I'll put a plug in for them. There you go. There you go. Are, are they like a... a knockoff gumball type rally or so actually like a woods I, I met tsd i met rally? um this is one cool thing about redenzo is cars are the whole backbone of our company and the people that are the executives at our company i almost met all of them through cars okay and i met mindy who's our chief sales officer on a rally north america rally uh there there was this woman in a convertible m coupe Stick shift, of course. I'm sorry. You just said convertible M coupe. Uh, M roadster. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. A white white M roadster. Car guy card um, revoked. Yeah. Well, uh, car guys don't drive roadsters, so. Um. Yeah, and for, so for the rally, normally there's a navigator and a driver, right? And Rally North America charity, they always donate to like a MS Foundation or an Epilepsy Foundation. And um, it's like a scavenger hunt rally that's not a race. Not a race. Just like the cannonball. Not not a race. I will say I did. I got disqualified the only time I ever didn't win the not a race because I went too fast. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm it little, is like a TSD. Salt, salty about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so there was this one girl who was doing the whole thing herself and winning without a navigator. And I was like, what the heck? How is this possible? And that was Mindy. And she, uh, I stole her from Apple. There and, you go. Uh, she's our chief sales officer. Jason, our national sales manager, uh, he was in our, a local car club with me. Uh, Randy, our e-commerce director, I had messaged on the original radar detector forums way back in the day. And we'd like argued with each other about like radar nerd stuff. We had no idea who we were. <laughs> and now he works with me. Like the whole the whole thing has just been crazy. How cars? That's funny. I'm uh, sorry. You, you said so. 
John was talking to me earlier about how much Apple and Google pay and the competitiveness oh, in terms of trying to get employees. And all I could think of when you said you stole her from Apple is the Michael Scott thing from The Office where he's trying to court an, uh, an employee and he goes, would you like to have more fun, have more freedom and make more money? And the guy's like, yes. He's like, well, I can't promise you any no, of but those. That's, that's but- literally, so for, for, we joke about this in the engineers. So for the two specific types of engineers that make us unique in the industry, there's nobody in the Midwest doing this. There's like a few guys that like write Pat up in Dayton, mm-hmm. um, but they're all working in the Bay area. So, in Colorado and then Boston. So my recruiting calls typically like I'll find some guy on LinkedIn because nobody's actually applying for jobs with this skill set. They're all making tons of money. And I'll like harass them on LinkedIn and conv- I'll be like, look, we're really cool. We're a fun group of people to work with. <laughs> Do you want to have an intro call? And then I'm like, we have Halloween I'm like, parties. I'm like, are you tired of gorgeous weather in the Bay Area? Are you tired of half a million dollar restricted stock unit bonuses? In a stable Are you tired job, of million dollar yeah. one bedroom because apartments. If you are, you can live like a king in Cincinnati. Yep, yep. And they're like, eh. I've I've tried to recruit a few people to Cleveland based on that. Like, hey, listen, it's not great weather, but six hundred grand will buy you a mansion. <laughs> Did you try showing them the Cleveland tourism video on YouTube that went viral? No, maybe, maybe that would change no. their mind. James Piper asked. When will auto lockout be available on detectors other than escort? It it, uh, it, is, it is Yep, it's available on our new DS1 right Any, here. Th- anything that has GPS has auto lockout. It's just a matter so, of little, little whether plug. it works as well as this escort or not. The best single horn detector, the Redenzo DS1 with auto lockouts. You're going to have to sponsor me now. <laughs> I thought I would slide it in there. <laughs> Uh, let's see. David Miles says, never knew cop cars have a radar detector detector. Yep. He brings up an interesting point, right? So Virginia is famous for this, right? Virginia is, it's illegal to have a radar detector and the cops have radar detector detectors. How do they detect radar detectors? And are there any, because there are a lot of detectors that market themselves as being undetectable. If you're playing a drinking game, the word is detect. Um, are there any radar detectors that are truly undetectable and how does Virginia do it? Why are radar detectors detectable? You're asking a technical question and I don't want to have people's eyes glaze over. So what I will say Short is that, answer. Yeah, it's tough. In the process of detecting a signal, radar detectors generate a signal of their own. Okay. Is that what they call radar leak? Yes. Okay. So that ge- that signal that they generate for sciency reasons <laughs> leaks out of the detector's horn usually. Okay. And if you know where it, well, if you know what frequency that's going to come, right, then you know you can design your own radar detector for that frequency. Okay. So all they are is radar detectors. They're just not tuned for KA band. They're tuned for the specific the frequency spot that is that, coming that out of the detector. That is common for radar detectors to leak. Okay. So there's two ways to avoid that. One is to not block... have a radar detector. Uh, three ways, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So not have a radar detector. Do something to block the signal from leaking, which is where those little LNA thingies help. Some of the amplifiers, they actually don't let signal leak out. Mm-hmm. And then the third way, which is the best way, is design your radar detector so the frequency you generate 
isn't at that frequency they're looking for. Oh. And that's that's the approach that we took. Brilliant. Yeah, like if you know where they're like you can buy a radar detector detector, you know where they're looking. Why would you design your detector to emit a frequency there? So, I mean, this seems buy, like basic logic. But it's, it's such a cat and mouse game. You buy a radar detector detector so that you can engineer your radar detector to detect the radar, but not be detectable by the radar detector detector. Unless, and if you started that drinking game, you are completely effed right now. Hope you're drinking like Coors Light. I guess I'm running behind. You're already done. <laughs> uh, I had a question about that, and I forget now. I think I'm really funny, but yeah, everybody else is rolling their eyes. Um, there's a question I had about that. Oh, my strategy, I've never used this, but my strategy for a state like Virginia would be to just buy a super cheap Walmart detector and if I ever got pulled over, totally could just be like, "Hey, yep, sorry, I was using it. Here you go." Totally could because the cops are famous for just confiscating them and running them over, or stomping them on them, or whatever, and just throw my escort unit in Redenzo, whatever, in the glove box. You totally could. Yeah, Although, I should, I should honestly, buy just buy a bunch of used um, Valentine ones and with with your R seven Virginia with your R seven, you're like pretty stealth. Mm -hmm. The DS one is a little bit more stealth. I would be okay with both of those in Virginia, so I wouldn't worry about it. But don't run your old Escort. That I can pick up from a mile away. Gotcha. But it works so well. Ah, oh, my old Escort was my favorite detector. It was. Um, Sean Mason asked a question that I think you have to sponsor the show in order to answer, but I'll let you answer anyway. What separates Redenzo from other companies? Um, I'm not allowed to swear on here, right? So I will say... <laughs> You can say whatever you want. There's no FCC. We, we we actually give a blank. I mean, that's that's it's that simple. We're literally the only company. Well, I shouldn't say that. I do think Val I think Valentine cares about making a good product. But I will say that out of the widely distributed radar detectors that you can walk into a Best Buy and buy, nobody else cares. Yeah. Okay. I, I will second that. Um, I think. Well, I haven't really dealt with Unidin that much. I just own a detector. I've never had any real issues with it but i've owned a lot of escort products in the past i think until alp came out with their diffusers they made the best laser diffusers um and they still make the best radar detectors but their customer service has been absolutely horrible i've bought a lot of their products and they've when there's issues they've done nothing but essentially blame the installer or make up excuses or uh, to me it was appalling the the level of that they stoop to to not admit culpability for their products not working the, correctly the the difference between redenzo and every other company is that at one in the morning right when i'm home that mindy will slack me and say you know what? i was thinking about what happened to that dealer and i'll say you know what that did bother me let's put together something for them and at two in the morning i'll get a slack from engineering and they say hey we just solved this problem if you must not be married if redenso <laughs> that's the reason why <laughs> and that's kind of what it is is that for our employees and for us this is what we put the majority of our waking care into and i will I will f freely admit that ab above many of the relationships that I have and above anything else, making this work is what most of our employees care about. It's like, you know, family, 
friends, Redenzo. So sometimes <laughs> Redenzo family friends. And that's simply not the case uh, when you're owned by a private equity company. Right. Or, or sure. your radar detectors are a thing that you do. And I like to think that that permeates down into the direction that we set technically, which is we want to be the best, even if it doesn't make us quite as much money as pumping out a bunch of crap. We want our service to be the best because I would be mad if I got treated poorly. Right. That if if your goal is if you start with that level of care, everything else will fall into place. And I like to think that that's what we're trying to achieve. Gotcha. Nick goes fast asked instant on seems like the great unbeatable weapon these days. Any skunk works R&D you can share to help here. Um, I've made a couple of videos about this, so I won't go too in in depth. But instant on is the greatest threat that radar detector drivers face. Yes. But when they radar jammer, when they first pull that trigger, (laughs) you can actually see a uh, a difference in the signal that tells you if it's instant on versus one that's been held down. So our future products, we've engineered stuff into there to look for that telltale. It's actually, but but, but by the time you determine whether or not it's instant on, it's too late. Uh, four hundred nanoseconds. They. The, they can get a reading in like 85 milliseconds. No, no, no. We, we could tell from two miles away. So if you have an... Well, fine, but if is, you're speeding why, at night in Nebraska, yes, yes, you're absolutely. the only guy absolutely. that's getting clocked in a 10-mile strip. And, and there is no defense against that, correct? Right. But the more range, the better. Because if there's somebody five miles ahead or seven miles ahead and you have enough range to pick that up, then it's going to save you. Gotcha. Yeah, I... It, w- and that just comes to knowing your detector and knowing your state. If you're a chronic speeder versus just a casual speeder, you have to actually learn these things. So these are the things we studied when we went to break the cannonball record is I actually looked at every single state and I said, what radar guns are they using? What uh, band are mm-hmm. they using? Because then I know if I get a little tiny blip on KA in Nebraska, it's like, okay, they use instant on KA band. That might be a cop five miles out hitting somebody else with instant on we got to slow it down so you have to know your detector in order to trust your detector and that is probably the best defense against instant on is is having the knowledge base and and like he said don't just know your detector know your area that is yes that's absolutely great advice i don't care if you're running a valentine or a denso whatever it's like anything else in life the more research you do and the better you understand your threat environment and your tools the better you will perform yep yeah, I, I don't know of any department that uses instant on with K-band. Oh, all the time, man. Really? All the time. Wh- where? Mostly, so in Ohio, it's the local municipalities. It's not the state troopers. Okay. I've never but, seen them use instant oh, yeah. on, though. They're all so the friggin' lazy. So one reason that he hasn't seen them use instant on is because his escort detectors that he uses tend, tend to be really less reactive. But, Shut it. But now that you have an R7, you're going to see more of it. Yeah, I also get more falses, so. But you don't even know if they're falses or real. <laughs> I get more falses. Well, I get. You're detecting instant on from miles away because you actually no, have not. a sensitive no, detector No, I know now. the cops around here, they're too friggin' lazy to do instant on. I've done ride-alongs. They don't even, like, hide well. It's his first good detector. It's so cute. What are you talking about? Oh my gosh! I I did a. It's like the friggin' super troopers thing that when Dude, when, that R7 when has he says, twice. "Oh, I've only written three tickets this month," he goes, "Try hiding." That's the 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 tr- state troopers are the only ones that actually have skills in catching speeders. If I was a cop, I would catch every friggin' speeder on the planet because you have to think like a criminal in order to catch criminals. But the problem is, is I wouldn't actually write any of them tickets because yeah. I don't 
fundamentally believe in speeding enforcement. So anyway, Sonic says, uh, I always want to ask you guys about this in terms of what radar detector is best detector. Every time I start to look up radars, I get overwhelmed. Totally. We get that. Uh, how do you make a decision? And if, what detector for the buy? average guy who's doing research online, buying a radar detector, how do you make a decision? It it really is a it's a it's such a bizarre like I'm trying to think of other products that are this strange to research. <laughs> like like if you buy like it if you buy like a TV, you don't have to learn what like K band means to change the channel. Like it just such right. a this is such an unintuitive industry. I, I I feel bad for consumers, honestly. And that's why we tried to do like on our website, if you're real if you're a really new user, check out like Redenzo University. That's not sales stuff. It's explaining to you what X is, what K is. It applies across all the manufacturers. We've tried to put out educational content that will enable the, the user to at least know the terms so they can make the decision about what detector is best for themselves. Until new technology comes to market, I just don't know what else is better to do that because they all work the same and they're all confusing as hell, honestly. Right. Yeah. It's not It's not fun. It's not a good experience for an uninitiated user. Uh, that's a good answer. I, I know you're oversimplifying this, but they all kind of work the same. So there, for the average person, there is there's no bad choice between I'd say the top four. Well, Valentine one is a bad choice because they don't have GPS filtering. I can, what it's I'm freaking cannibal record holder. I can say that. Uh, they're going to think that's coming from me. No Valentine users. Hate he me. is not a sponsor. It's a good He's detector. on to talk about radar detectors. No, it's not because it doesn't have GPS filtering. You get friggin K band falses all the friggin time. It's not a good detector for everyone. Right. But for enthusiasts, it can be it's good. It's not a good detector for people who want to be the fastest people across the country. And who else needs a radar detector? I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Uh, Mike Valentine is a close talker. I'm going to talk crap about his radar detectors. Um, MJ Kickham says, why can't we have these in Canada? So Because I... Canada is communist. Sorry. I think you can have them in half. We sell to Canada into the western half of the country, I believe. The eastern half, I would say you can't have them because the politicians need to be have their minds changed is yes, the answer. on a lot of things, but we don't talk politics on here. I do a lot of uh, no footer 4130. <clears throat> I do a lot of runs from Fort Wayne, Indiana to the Dayton area for track time. Good friggin' luck. Man, that is like the worst that is the worst friggin' gauntlet to try to speed through for the Midwest area. What would be the one to get Uh CB radio? For, so for that, the, so honestly, that the Ohio area in the United States is really tough. We have uh, a very minute amount of X. I've only seen it once, I think, but it is technically here, even though you're never going to get hit by it. We have K, we have KA, we have laser, and we have intense aerial enforcement on sections of yes. 71 and uh, a couple of the other interstates up here. Yes. So you are in Shark Alley for enforcement. In Ohio, I would strongly recommend that you get ALP laser jammers if you're going to speed. Yes. Because the state troopers will use a ton of laser. On my way yes. up here, it was a three and a half hour drive from Cincinnati. 
um, I got hit with laser twice and there was a whole bunch of other, uh, I saw other troopers shooting laser that just didn't target me on the yep. way up here. So I, w- I would get a single horn detector, a Redenzo DS1. If you need a dual horn detector, I would get a Uniden and I wouldn't settle for anything with less reactivity and I would absolutely get laser jammers. Yep. And run highway radar. So you know where the aerial aerial enforcement yep, is and app. where they're sitting. The problem is for that, basically Ohio and Indiana, everybody says Ohio is the hardest state to speed through. They aren't. They use incredible tactics, but they're fairly predictable in terms of where they sit and they all use marked cars. They don't hide as much as Pennsylvania. Right. Um, they have that reputation from the past. But anyway, Kansas they use to speed through. They use difficult techniques which is one laser two instant on they never sit or drive with their radar on so you have to be alert you have to be alert and indiana is the opposite typically they run with their radar on um but they have killer unmarked cars they have ford f-250s and dodge durangos and old model chargers that have civilian plates and no antennas and you have no friggin' idea that they're cops so that, like, we will not do a cannonball and run through Ohio and Indiana during the day because it's just, it's it's not worth it. It's so friggin' difficult. So it's not just what the best radar detector is for that. John, if you're actively trying to speed along there, like he said, you need a really good detector. You need ALP. You need a setup. You need, you, you need a setup, yeah. And you need highway radar at the minimum, those three. Um, let's see church 013 i have an escort max three and use a ways and for me it's all i really need that's for most people i think that gets it done if you have any suggestions on what the different band waves represent and what waves i can turn on and off to help eliminate false positives that would be great depends where you live unless i know where you live it's really difficult to give advice because some areas only use ka some use all three like ohio so what i would say is try to go online and research and see what is used in your state and then you can change your settings accordingly yeah good answer castro 42 how does the r&d look in a technological arms race of secrets to either catch or evade people going at high speeds is it just a cold war or is there some kind of collaboration between the radar manufacturers and the radar detector manufacturers? Um, I think radar and laser is a little bit different. I think in radar, there really is no arms race. And I think that's just dumb luck right now. Um, as I said, if it would, the technology to make a radar gun completely undetectable by current detectors, it's trivial. I mean, look at some of the speed cameras that can't be detected. All they would have to do is take that and put it into a handheld device and you're done. Every every unit and every escort, every current Redenzo, obsolete. So, but every department has to actually like correct have the budget to say we need to upgrade but, our guns. But don't, yeah, yes, yes, and no. There's been examples of insurance companies footing the bill um, and, and paying for the equipment to the uh, for the police departments because they know it will raise the insurance rates. No, nothing is as simple as it seems with this. But I would say that there's really no arms race on radar. The manufacturers just don't care and the equipment tends to be pretty old and it's just kind of a stale industry. Um, nobody's putting money into radar gun R&D because laser's starting to take over too. On laser... Honestly, I'm happy if laser takes over because you can just friggin' block it. Yes, it's a lot more expensive to do and 
it requires a lot more skill from your installer. So for some, it's not, I would be sad for somebody that just wants to buy a thing on Amazon, but if somebody wants to pay to have it installed, I'd rather get hit by radar than instant on or laser than instant on. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, T Tom ninety three ninety seven always been escort fan, but they eh, you spend too much time in Vegas. <laughs> but they seem to be much cheaper than the an escort. That fan was pretty good, a, yeah. They seem to be much cheaper than what they made ten years ago. True, uh, I guess cheaper in terms of quality because price definitely not. I also run K forty in my E sixty three wagon. Thoughts on quality or deterrent? I think K forty is garbage. I, I so I'm sure most people know that I'm not the biggest fan of escort. I've, they sued me for what I feel is a frivolous lawsuit, and it cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars, which directly means you did know. Did you win? Um, we settled, and I can't really talk about it. because you settled. Right. Yeah, but um, yeah. even that being said, I don't lie. I would rather have an any any modern escort than a K40. Yep. Even though K40 never did anything bad to me, the products just aren't as good as escorts no, and that good. that really pains me to say i like the people better at k40 but we get cars but, but all the buy, time in on trade with k40 buy, systems buy in. a unidinner or a denzo instead yeah we get cars all the time with k40s installed they, they just on trade well. and i'm like looking for the button how do i friggin turn this thing off i just want to turn it off honda fit for adventure said i have the unit in R3 and would like to upgrade to the R7 or Valentine Gen 2, mainly to gain the directional arrow feature. Which would you prefer? It, it depends on whether or not you want to run an app. <laughs> I mean, both detectors are good enough where you're not going to get a ticket if you know how to run it correctly. So you just need to decide what level of convenience or integration that you're going to do. Uh, so I like I like this question. This was something I was going to ask you too. I've also thought about buying a V1 and running it side by side with a unit in R3, but not sure how much interference that might cause between the two. And my personal question is, so I've run V1 and Escort. I've run Escort and unit in. Everybody talks about how you can't run two detectors in the same car because of the interference. I've not personally experienced that. And to me, I'm like, oh, they're just telling you that because they don't want you to test them side by side. Is that a real thing? It, it is a real thing. Or let me put it this way. It certainly can be a real thing. That's not rare. And it's not all the time. There are certain combination of detectors that probably won't interfere with each other. Mm-hmm. But the reason that's said is because there are many combinations that do, um, and you actually don't know if you ever interfered that because interference doesn't just mean setting off a false. It could also mean preventing it from alerting, in which case you have no idea if if it's even happening. So we actually did a video about this on our um, Redenzo YouTube channel, and if you go on there and search for it, we took, uh, I I think it was the latest Escort Redline uh, Max 4098C, and um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a 5,000 next year. Um, and we put it on a spectrum analyzer or software-defined radio, and we actually showed you where it was leaking. And that's a detector that is marketed as stealth, and the radar detector detectors can't pick up. They can't pick up the emissions because they're in different areas, but they're still there, and it might interfere with your detector. Might not. There's no way to be 100% certain, which is why everybody errs on the side of caution and says, look, without us taking equipment and checking, just don't do it because you might cause yourself a ticket. It's very plausible. 
Yeah. Okay. Jeff Hicks said, I've used the Passport Max for quite a while with good results, but keep thinking I want or need a Valentine one. Why? <laughs> the, the Passport Max is, is an older detector. Um, the newer Valentine one would outperform that in many ways, but again, you're not going to have GPS, so right. your call. I, I, if you know the your Passport call. Max, I'd go to a Max 360 because you already know and understand the detector. Uh, the Van Dutch... Since Thea is supposed to have some sort of AI, is it going to use some kind of neural network or some form of model-based simulation? Um, I'm not sure what he's referring to by model-based simulation, but if you check out our YouTube channel, you'll see where we've done videos on the neural network stuff. Gotcha. I don't even know what he was asking. I'm excited to see Thea, but uh, I'd rather have a radar jammer. Leighton Riddell says... The F you mean you don't believe in speeding enforcements. And you didn't spell enforcements right, so I'm not answering your question. Jack White Jack White said, what about Texas? What do they use and how do I avoid and detect it? Um, you avoid it by going north uh, into Nebraska and up and around. Um, how do you detect it? You buy a... What Buy one of the top three radar detectors and laser jammers. Uh, I'm pretty sure they use K and KA. I've not had... I don't think I've ever seen Texas using laser. They may. Uh, I think I th they do. Yeah. I, I haven't... I don't think they do actively. Um, I, I So I could be wrong on this because I haven't actively kept up with Texas. I know for a fact they used it at least two or three years ago. Um there have been some public incidents on some of the forums where some people from Texas got in trouble with some laser stuff. I don't know if they're still running it, but gotcha. I know that they did at some point. Gotcha. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been pulled over two or three times in Texas and it's always been instant on KA always been marked units. So, um, I know they have some unmarked units, but for the most part, they're the white with the, or sorry, black with a white hood and trunk and they're all marked. Uh, state troopers and they use ka for the most part but they're a little bit sneaky where they hide and they do like using instant has reden uh gear guy 2001 asked has redenzo given any thought to diving into the laser jamming market similar chip issues as with thea um we're not actively looking at laser jamming we're coming out with a laser jamming product you are coming out with the laser jamming. Uh, no, product. we're not. We're not. Oh, I thought you said you're no, not. We're active. not. Yeah. Okay. Any idea why or just because the ALP works care. so well at this point, and honestly, okay. it's a smaller market than radar. Sure. Um, yeah. The the cap we know how to do it, but we're not interested in going after that market. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I, that's a good answer because with radar detectors, I think there's a lot of holes to fill and things to solve with you're and we're, right we're like alp is just friggin killing and it. we're partnered with them so gotcha. what do we really gain we're stealing our own market share at that point gotcha okay um lots and lots more questions about thea i know you probably don't want to answer them how much does it cost when is it coming out do you have those, any are, the, those are the only two that i'm not going to comment on okay well there, there you go all the other questions are moot then so thank you all for your participation but <laughs> we don't know uh, we all look forward to it, myself included. I'm curious how they're going to solve some of the issues that we 
encounter as cannonballers and have to figure out with our own brain uh, and are confused about with our own brain. So we're definitely curious how an AI is going to solve those things. So um, thank you, John, for being on, for talking shop with us. Thank you. Uh, may have been over many people's heads, including my own, but uh, it is helpful, especially for those of us who like driving ourselves and driving above what we think is a uh, oppressive speed limit for um, for those of us who enjoy driving. Anyway. Um, it, is, it is an oppressive speed limit. It is. Most of them are. Most of them are. The back two lane roads, eh, not so much. Those speed limits are good. But um, we're going to move to our props and flops. Those are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory, because it's sitting in front of me, is a 1994 Mercedes SL600. This has the V12 six-liter engine, and if you put equal-length headers on it, it sounds like a friggin' Pagani Zonda, but you can buy it for just $22,000, and it has had extensive service recently, including rebuilding of the wiring harnesses, so it is ready to enjoy. Uh, it does not get good gas mileage. We cannot promise you that, but it is enjoyable. Um, the flop of the week is... Oh man, I I found this on Twitter talk or whatever it's called. Uh, a driver who ran over a spectator while doing donuts in the street faces charges for assault, reckless endangerment, reckless driving, and fleeing the scene. So this guy was doing donuts in the street and he ran over an innocent bystander. Is it a Mustang? No, it was not a Mustang. No, nice try. Um. The guy he ran over is in serious medical condition, and he had a GoFundMe, which raised over $15,000 and was then shut down. The problem with this story is it wasn't an innocent bystander, and it wasn't really in the middle of the street. Yes, it was a public road, but it was one of these places where they essentially shut down the road, so there was no innocent people there. There was 300 people willingly participating filming for the talks of the gram and uh this moron who got run over ran out while the guy was doing donuts in the middle of the street in front of him to try to like get in the middle of where he was doing donuts to film better and he literally fell down. He literally flopped. This is the flop of the week. The dude flopped down in the street in front of a car doing donuts and got run over. And his mom started to go fund me to raise $15,000. And the driver is being charged with assault, reckless driving, reckless endangerment, and fleeing the scene. Now, the legitimately, he's a friggin' moron for fleeing the scene. But if some dude runs out in the middle of the road and lays down in front of me, I don't care if I'm going 200 miles an hour or going sideways. It's his friggin' fault that he has brain damage. But no, put it on GoFundMe and he gets all sorts of money and sympathy and all that. Anyway, uh, charges have been filed against the driver. I'm hoping and assuming that many of them will be pled down and that he has a half-decent lawyer. Uh, because this is absolutely ridiculous. Go, go watch the video. It's, 
it's not funny because people get hurt, but it is, it's a Darwin award worthy. It really is. Uh, prop of the week, Elon Musk bought 9.2 something percent of Twitter. I said, we don't get into politics on this show. We only talk about cars, but Elon Musk owns a car company. If you can consider an EV company, a car company, which I really don't, I hate EVs. I think they're the herpes of the future of the car industry. But anyway, uh, Elon Musk believes in freedom of speech and Jack Dorsey doesn't. So I think it's hilariously ironic that he just went out and bought like four times as much of Twitter as the CEO owns. Um, so anyway, maybe Donald Trump's account will get reinstated and we'll all have some great entertainment going forward. So yeah, prop of the week goes to Elon Musk for uh, baller move. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, especially John Dandro. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for creating radar detectors. Um, if you're interested in radar detector, go check out, uh, Redenzo Radar. Uh, we don't have a discount code for them because they're not a sponsor, but go do your homework. Uh, I've used them myself. They are a pretty good product. I think they make probably the best budget radar detector out there uh, with Escort and some of the others creeping up in price. Um, let's see. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. And thank you to our producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music has been provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m., Side note, if you're still listening, next Wednesday is the actual day of my wife and my anniversary. I'm trying to convince her to come on the podcast. She is resisting. If you want to see my wife on the podcast and ask her questions about what it's like to live with me and to be the wife of a car guy and all that goes along with that, message me, comment, whatever. I need some help with the pressure there to get her on. Also, maybe I should start a GoFundMe for like a spa weekend or something. Because if I buy her that, then she'll come on the podcast. Anyway, any help you can provide would be great. And I'll have my wife on next week, maybe. And we will look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life.